among friends. And um, Gina had an announcement, so it's good to have her back this week. Just one thing, um, if you can give me the um, time and day of the week that you plan to meet with your groups by next week. That would be really helpful so we can get registration up and running. Now, we are planning on doing Tuesday morning at church with childcare. Um, we'll separate the groups so we won't all be crowded in one room. Um, so we'll have our own spaces, but there'll probably be somewhat of a time of fellowship where people can all come together first. So if you need childcare, it'd be, you know, be great to have you as part of the church on Tuesday morning. Um, in one of the groups here. Um, otherwise, if you need childcare, it might be better to schedule your um, day for another day of the week, just so um, some of the people who are working childcare might be available to work at yours, also at your house, if that's what you choose. So I hope that makes sense. Basically, just and we need the day and the time. Um, we start September 15th, or the week of September 15th, so actually the week of September 13th will be our beginning date. Um, hopefully the registration will be up and running in about two weeks. Um, we'll send you an email as soon as we have that link. Um, so if you, if that, anything I just said was totally confusing, just catch me right after and I'll explain what I need from you. Okay, that's it. Anybody have a question for her? Okay. Well, let's have a word of prayer to begin. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word that is a lamp unto our feet. And Lord, I just thank you for the way this psalm has ministered to me this week, and I'm sure it has to others. And God, help us to put out of our minds all the busyness of the day and just to look full in your wonderful face. And um, We just pray for the women that will be attending our studies, and I just pray, dear God, that you would use us in a mighty way in the lives of women. Thank you for what your word does for us bring you peace and calm and strength. So we commit this evening to you in your most precious and holy name. Amen. I pulled up a map so we could kind of look at uh, where some of these things have been taking place. And the first part begins with the historical perspective of what was going on in David's life. Um, I did have a little technical difficulty because I forgot my cord to my computer, so hopefully what I have will hold, um, will continue, but um, I'm not relying on it if it doesn't work. So uh, to begin with, um, there are, the Philistines were in pursuit of Saul with many warriors and could not escape. This takes us back prior to 2 Samuel 2. The Amalekites have plagued Israel for generations because of Saul's disobedience. And David is called upon to um, fight the Amalekites as well. And I think as we read this psalm, it talks about no blood on his hands, but God ordained him, gave him the command to fight the Amalekites. Saul died by falling on his own sword because he was surrounded by the enemy. And we know the story of the Amalekite man came upon the scene and witnessed Saul's death and took his crown and bracelet to David. It's kind of like, look what I've got for you, you know, kind of getting in favor with David and maybe sparing his own life because he was given the command to kill all of the Amalekites. 
David mourned and grieved for Saul and Jonathan. He continued to see them as God's anointed. David executed the Amalekite based on the testimony, his testimony. That was, I'm sure, a rude awakening for that man. Um, all right, who would like to summarize? Now we go to 2 Samuel 2, 1 through 7. Who would like to summarize that for us, what occurred? I've prayed for participation tonight. <laughs> Martha? I just wrote that David was the lineage king over Judah after Saul's death. Okay. Very good. Yeah, there wasn't a whole lot going on there. Um, he takes his two wives with him, which says to me there was some time that has passed in here. Oh, oh great. Here we go. Um, and... We have, here we go. These are the Amalekites, and he's told to go to Hebron, which is in Judah. Oh, wait a minute. Here we go. Here's Hebron right in here. Kind of a blur here, but um, that puts you in perspective to where they were located and where the Amalekites were. And they were nomadic people, so they moved around a lot. And it says here, Hebron had been given to Caleb when Israel occupied the land after the wilderness wanderings. I thought that was interesting. And it's the highest elevation of any town in Judah. And Abraham lived there uh, long before that. So I thought that um, was uh, very interesting as well. There's a lot of history that takes place there in Hebron. Describe a time you've experienced an answer prayer, realized a goal or dream after a long period of waiting, perseverance, and or hardship. How did you feel finally on the other side of it? Anything that you would like to share and encourage us all? I will. Okay. Um, Thank you. Uh, about five, no, seven years ago now, um, my husband and I moved here with our two little, littlest kids, and we had to leave his three kids behind in New Hampshire, um, even though he had custody of them at the time the mom wanted to take him to court, he wanted to avoid court, so we let her have the kids, we moved here, and, um, their quality of life just kind of tanked um, during that time. Um, just really, really awful things coming out of that. And we knew that if we took her to court, we could probably win. But there was this nagging sense that we got from the spirit that, that he didn't want us taking her to court. And at this time she was a professed believer and we just, we just felt God doesn't want us to take her to court. And, um, you know, things actually still progressed to get worse. And even during that time, we were like, there is no way we'll ever get the kids now. Like, we'll be lucky if we're even, you know, if John doesn't lose his parenting rights, just with how bad things got. And, um, but then, miraculously, three years, three years ago, this, no, just last month, three years ago, last month, uh, the mom called up and was like, I can't do this anymore, you take them. And uh, so it was just, waiting, perseverance, like 
God, if you want us to have them, you will have to drop them in our laps. Wow. Because there wow. is there is no other way we will get custody of them. And that's exactly that's exactly what he did. Just out of the blue one day. So very, that's very thankful. exciting. Yeah. I'm going through that with a friend right now and um, so you've encouraged my heart by sharing that. Thank you. Then we'll pass it on. <laughs> um, anybody else that's just really would like to share? Okay, um, what was David's reaction to Saul's death? He mourned. He mourned. Were any of you surprised at that? I know we know the story, and we're very familiar with it. Um, but it just tells you, shows you what David's heart it was that he mourned for him and he really saw him as God's anointed and had respect for who God is and his will. Um, and any other thoughts on what it says about his character? Any thoughts? I read that I think it just shows how David respected authority, God's authority. Oh, that's like a very God good made point. Saul king and he would not kill him. You know, there are several times that he could have killed him, but he chose not to because he was he was God's chosen one for that until he died. So even though it would have been to his benefit to like gloat about the victory, like you know, over the, I'm sure a lot of people would have been on his side that way. This really showed that's where he knew the authority came from God for him to be king too. I read that no matter how much Saul persecuted David, David did not consider Saul his enemy. Wow. And I was like, how in the world did he know Ephesians 6 before it was written? Wrestle <laughs> <laughs> not with flesh and blood, but he, he had that yes. insight that, and he talked about it in the song, God is in control. Mm -hmm. I also think it shows his care for the people of Israel. Like, he was mourning mm -hmm. the king. Their king and his mm. son, Jonathan, his best friend, died at the hands of the Philistines. And this is a tragedy for the nation of Israel. Yes. So I think it's already showing his heart for the people of mm. Israel. Mm. Very good point. Anything else? I'm going to skip over three, but come back to it. Um, what description of David is used in the title? What is this psalm? Servant of the Lord. And it is a song um, uh, about how the hand of all his enemies and the hand of Saul were he was given deliverance by the Lord. And I went on YouTube and found it written to music. And it's very special. Um, I believe it's ESV, but if you'd like to follow along in your Bible um, with the song, if I can get this back up here, the um, it was um, I love you.
um, thinking about how many of you this really ministered to you this week? I know it did to me. Did it minister to you as well? Um, and I shared it with other people too. God brings people our way that just need that encouragement and it, it just nothing like the word of God to pass on to someone when they're going through a trial. Um, so what repeated words, ideas, or phrases did you see? You can just blurt them out. What did you see? A lot of like, my Lord, my deliverer, my, yes. my. David knew he was the Lord. Yes, yes. Any others? Others. Any others? Righteousness, cleanness, cleanness, blamelessness, that whole idea. Yeah. Righteousness. Pride called. Very good. Delivered, rescued, words like that. Yeah. A lot of battle imagery. What does this passage reveal about God, do you feel? He's perfect in his ways. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. He hears our cries. Yes. Mm -hmm. He gets angry. Mm -hmm. Yes, mm -hmm. yes. Mm -hmm. Good point. Mm -hmm. He equips us and trains mm -hmm. us. Wrote, he identifies with our afflictions. Yeah. He hears prayers from his temple and he responds. Yeah. Yeah. The echo, um, not the echo, but the precursor of the New Testament if God is for me, who can mm -hmm. stand against me? Even nature, <coughs> he calls to control my world. Any others? He's worthy of praise. <clears throat> Amen. I just noticed how overwhelmed David was by mm. the awesomeness of his power and his strength and his majesty. Yes. He couldn't contain himself. Yes. And to think this was written, though, at his height. You know, he was king. Yeah. He was over everything. But that didn't dim the vision of who God really was. Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. I'm actually looking forward to the next storm to kind of see God's power. Like, I'm, I'm picturing, I'm looking outside and it's sunny. You know, when I was doing it, it's like, oh, that'd be a storm. <laughs> we do need rain. Anything else that you saw that you'd want to share? He's intimate and invested in our lives. Oh, very good. He's intimately invested in our lives. Very good. 
just think it's so personal. Like, just like someone said about the knives and the eyes, and when you read it and you remember something you've experienced and you're saying that my yourself, mm-hmm. and like that was written for, like David wrote it expressing himself, but it was also used as a song of worship so other people would be reading those same things or singing those same things and personalizing it. Like God, I think, wants us to do with scripture. It's a great testimony tool to tell your your testimony Mm -hmm. what God has done for you, which goes into six, the pronoun that he uses is my. And, And why do you think this is important? I'd say for the first 18 years of my life, I went to church every Sunday. I grew up in a Catholic home, but you know, it was it was important to our family. Yes. But it would have just been God, God, that out there God. Mm-hmm. All of those years would have been that God. But at 19, He became my God. Mm-hmm. That wow. pronoun definitely yes. switched. Yes. Um, so it's it's so important. Yes. The yes. importance is insurmountable. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Um, In these two verses, I looked up the horn of my salvation. Did any of you get curious about that? What is the horn of my salvation? And it said um, in a commentary, it's the messianic name for Jesus. And the horn was used in times of celebration. Um, It was on the altar in the temple. There were, I guess, four horns. And the animal was secured on the altar. And it was, um, and we know Christ was our deliverer, our sacrifice for us. Um, but when they speak of the horn of my salvation, it, it, it speaks of Christ. Um, anything to add to that? I was impressed with that last verse. Great salvation he brings to his king and shows steadfast love to his anointed to David and his offspring forever. Wow. <clears throat> I love that word steadfast. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I don't know if it's just being a woman or what, but our emotions can kind of make us go, you know, helter-skelter, but that is my prayer to be steadfast mm-hmm. in the Lord. Um, and that's that's a really good word. I'm glad you brought that one up, Louise. Um, I'm not sure, you know, if this is connected to this horn of salvation, but when people, like, like, was it Absalom or somebody else, they went to the temple and held on the horns yes. mm-hmm. as a mm-hmm. sanctuary. Sanctuary. Yeah, yes. Safe place. yes. I don't know if it's related to this usage or not, but yeah. that's what came to my mind when I read that. Good point. This is an off the subject, but is that clock right? Okay, I just wanted to be sure. I know we're under time limits here. Um, In verse 4 and 5, David's situation, and once again, I looked at cords of death, and I kind of thought, what are cords of death? And um, they talked about the death rope used for hanging. Mm -hmm. Um, Snares of death is a type of trap. I guess it's the idea you can't get out of it. You know, feeling he felt that, um, 
you know, the cords of death, he's fearing, isn't he? He's fearing for his life, which he was a man, you know, mm -hmm. and he was fearing for his life, but yet in the midst of it, he had this faith in God. Any other thoughts that you had on verse 7? I mean, no, question 7. To add to that. He, he was so deep in trouble or distress, whatever you know, his situation was, that he thought there was no hope as he, the torrents of destruction assailed him. But still he called on the Lord in verse 6, you know, that came out of that. He didn't just give up. It seemed, the situation must have seemed hopeless to him. I think we all face situations like that, but we see that God is able to turn those around, just like he did in the case of your stepchildren. That was, it looked pretty hopeless that you would get them. And that's really neat that God turned them around for you. Um, anything to add to this? this question this morning when I was going through it again the Lord just brought my attention to Job 23:10, and that says but he knows the way I take when he has tried me I shall come forth as gold and I thought about how true that was in David's life like before he became king and even after he went through trial after trial after trial but that's how God was using him to purify his heart to get these psalms out where, where we can look back and be like he knew who God was he knew his savior else um it says to list the actions that the lord took to rescue david um and what um do they convey about god and his response what are some of his responses are you on question eight uh yes earthquake Volcano. Yes. Hail. Hey, hey, that's what it says. I'm not making that up. <laughs> then how would you explain ver verse 8? That's a volcano. Yeah, Scripture. 7 through 19. <laughs> and uh, hail, which was evidently pretty unlikely in that a rare thing in the Holy Land. A lot of nature. You're right. Um, natural phenomenon. Anything else? He rode the angels mm. with angels that were cherub that are that are that guard God's holiness. Those are the guarding guarding angels. And it says he bent heaven. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm trying to imagine, you know. Yes. Yeah. Anything else? Well, you have these big things, like these nature things, that he did, the earthquake, volcano, but then he had these personal things where he took David, mm -hmm. he drew David, he rescued David, yes. brought, delighted. So you go from big, grandiose, huge, to personal. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. I just, I mean, I think when I read this, I think of us, I mean, I know the Bible tells us we are God's children. And I think about, like, if... You know, like if a child was kidnapped and the mother, what would the mother do to get that child back if she knew where that child was? 
she would move heaven and earth and yes. nothing would stop her to get to that child and rescue. And that's when I'm reading this, I'm like, he cares so deeply for us. He will move heaven and earth. He will not let us be snatched from his hands. Mm -hmm. He cares for us that deeply. It's not just a description. I mean, he that's pretty detailed of what God feels when he sees his child in trouble, which is amazing. Yes, very much so. Well, we look at these two um, sections of scripture, 7 through 15 and 16 through 19. Um, and it talks about uh, 7 through 15. It, how would you describe those, that segment of scripture? Well, just speak out loud. Like, <laughs> heavenly activity or things that are happening, the heavens, and then versus earthly results. Mm -hmm. Oh, with the 16 through 19? Yeah. Say that one more time, Martha, please. Heavenly activity, mm -hmm. earthly results. Mm. Anything else? 7 through 15 was described as a vivid, poetic picture of God's presence, described by various catastrophic responses by all creation. Um, and what you mentioned, his inter interception into the earth and David's life, his power comes to rescue the psalmist personally. Um, sort of what you were saying, Heather, it became personal for David. I respect that I was saying. Well, he, I, <laughs> those verses 7 through 15 sort of show his anger. Yes. Mm -hmm. yes. And then the other section shows his compassion and his mm -hmm. tenderness. Yes. You know, like if you blurt out something you and you are apologizing for it, so you get this real tender and compassionate type spirit. And that's what I see in those, those uh, 16 through 19 compassionate, tender. Um, he drew me out of the waters. He rescued me. Um, he was my support. He brought me into a broad place uh, because he delighted in me. Um, yeah, it appears that 7 through 15 is more wrath and judgment toward enemies, towards those who are against God verses 16 through 19 shows kindness, compassion, and mercy for those who are his own. Mm -hmm. So there's definite distinction. Mm -hmm. Are those the verses that talks about the height? Lifts me up to the heights. Is that in that section? I didn't mark oh, that. Verse 33. Verse 33. Okay, I'll get to that one then. Um, how does this come for you in your trials? Would you say? It's comforting to know that God is active in our lives. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Something that we have to conjure up. Mm -hmm. He is intimately acquainted with us and he knows our trials that we face and he's there. Sometimes he shows himself that vividly 
you know, like in a physical way, he still de demonstrates himself. Not, you know, like on an everyday basis in our lives, but I don't know how to explain that. That's a very personal thing, but I, I just see that. Like he, his description of all that, uh, uh, all the anger, you know, the natural elements and everything, David isn't afraid of watching God working. You know, he, he doesn't describe being afraid there. Right. He's just using very graphic language that we can understand. Right. But I, I mean, I hope, I don't know how to explain that personally. I can't think of an exact example. I must feel it very deeply mm -hmm. to have described it that way. Um, do you ever go into nature? I, you were recently at the ocean and just think of the vastness of God and that mm -hmm. he made it and he has control over it. it. It just leaves me in awe of who our God is. According to verse 19, why did God respond this way? something that we all desire that God would delight in us um, in Psalm 147 11 it says he delights in those who fear him who put their hope in his unfailing love um, Ephesians 1 4 and 5 um, chosen according to the foreknowledge um, awareness of something before it happens um, which is foreknowledge and I kind of went into a study of this one with the study of Ephesians talked about um, the foreknowledge of God and um, God doesn't want anyone to perish but he has foreknowledge that he was going to send a deliverer that would save us from our sins and who would um, accept or reject him um, so the events connected with the crucifixion of Christ were predestined, and God has predestined our adoption and our conformity to Christ, um, as well as our future inheritance. Isn't that neat to know that we have an inheritance, and that has been preordained? We can read this, you know, and say, oh, well, he did this for David because he delighted in him and stopped there. But we can look at these other verses in the Bible and say, but he delights in us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And he will do the same for us. Yeah. It's yeah. not just for David. It's for all who delight in him, who he delights in, which is those who fear him, who hope yes. in him. That's yes. describing us. Yes. So that's exciting. Mm -hmm. It's that's because he chose us. There's nothing in us to be delighted over. <laughs> yes. He chose us, yes. and therefore there's nothing we can do to make him not delighted. I think it's comforting to know that I wasn't an afterthought. I was always in his plan. Yeah. You know, even though I wasn't seeking him at times, I was always in his plan. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't an afterthought. That's very comforting. Mm -hmm. Yes. Thank you, Mary. Um, so what were the reasons that David gave for why the Lord rewarded him? In verses 20 through 24. I, 
I just want you guys to note on your paper, <laughs> I, I, I'm assuming you all figured this out maybe already, but it says compare this to Acts 23.10. It should be 23.1. Sorry about that, everyone. You probably read that and thought, what in the world? Yeah. Yeah. I'm so sorry. All you do right, if you do one thing wrong, it's okay. That's right. <laughs> so, okay. I'm sorry. Back to the question. Um, so he rewarded according to David's what? Righteousness, Righteousness and cleanness of hands. Cleanness of hands. Um, and that's where I did a little research on that. And it was because those that he went, he did battle with, it was God ordained. Um, and the question is, is David being absurdly self-righteous? <laughs> what would you say? Well, I think he answered it a little bit later in, in this chapter when it said it was all because of him you know anything good in me is just like Paul said is because of God Christ and so that's he said it was because the Lord strengthened him equipped him and did all of those things yeah in verse 35 he said your gentleness made me great mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. I think we can understand that in the light of ourselves you know we we've been told we know we believe we're righteous because Jesus died for us and cleansed us from our sin but yet we know that we aren't perfectly pure and holy you know at this point in time <laughs> it's positional righteousness I think that he's really talking about right also we learned in first John that we um, you know we are sinners but we don't live as sin, mm. you know, we're not living in sin, mm. we're not living, you know, yeah. we're choosing mm. as, but of course we're not perfect either, so yeah. we, you know, but we're not purposely choosing to live in sin, and that's why I think Paul says in Acts, you know, I mean, look at what he did, he killed people, and yet he says, I've lived in a good conscience, yes, for God, yes. Maybe it goes back to show through David's awareness of who God was, because as we see more of who God is, it shows us our sinfulness. Mm -hmm. And so, um, he had repented; he had seen his sin in light of a holy God, and therefore, like he's not perfect, obviously, but he, as he continues to know God more, is confessing his sin more. That's just kind of to think. It also goes back to abiding in the Lord. Like David abided in the Lord, and the Lord flew through him. Like. And everything he did, he could see the Lord. Um, and I don't know if I lost the question in typing this out or not, but looking at verses 28, 32, 35 for further insight, he's praying for what? I think that's probably what it was with question 11 at the end. What does he want? My first one was keep the lamp burning. Isn't that something that all of our prayers are? Lord, keep that lamp burning within me for you and to be used of you. What else did you write down? I'm not sure where you are, Nancy. Sorry. Question 11 at the end. 
maybe I misinterpreted that one. <laughs> but he's asking in those verses to keep my lamp burning, turn my darkness into light. I should probably have my Bible open with this. Mm. I guess I started to have that question. What? I mean, I don't have that in my question. Oh, you don't? What were we to do with those three verses, 28, 32, and 35? I think it started what Heather was saying, um, is that those verses are demonstrating that he knew that his light came from God. His blamelessness came yes. from God. Mm -hmm. His greatness came yes. from God. So all those verses point to his knowledge that anything good in him comes from God alone. Yes. And I thought of Philippians 4.13, I could do all things yeah. through Christ. Mm -hmm. Any other thoughts? Um, Have you ever thought about the, how often the right hand is mentioned? Mm -hmm. And I think most of us are probably right-handed. <laughs> So, I mean, I, that, that's I'm a very good point for my husband to hold my right hand, you know, and um, I don't know, I just like the right hand. <laughs> <laughs> that came to mind uh, fleetingly, but it came to mind, the right hand, yes. You think about the right hand of God and you... you read different verses about it. Um, what attitude or action does the Lord reward? Mercy, blamelessness, purity, humility. And what does he oppose? The crooked and the haughty. What does he show himself to them? Shrewd, having sharp powers of judgment. Um, anything to add on that? Torturous can also mean to wrestle, much like God wrestled with uh, Jacob. Okay. Right. Good point. Um, so then it, we're kind of summarizing in 28 through 48 the ways that the Lord worked in David's life. What are some things you wrote? There, there's, there's quite a list, mm -hmm. actually. Yeah. <laughs> he showed him direction and he lit his path. He gave him indescribable strength and protection along the way. Trained his hands for war. He made his feet like the feet of a deer and set him secure on the heights or the high places. I have a story about that if you'd like to hear it. I, I, I would. <laughs> this was uh, many years ago when someone in my family was in great distress and we didn't know what to do. They were underage, you know, they couldn't be on their own, but we had no idea how to help them work through 
the deep trouble they were in. Um, and I, I woke up one night in the middle of the night just desperate. God, we don't know what to do. We've done the doctors, the medicine, the treatment. You know, nothing is working. We don't know what to do. And I was angry with God because he hadn't given us, you know, he hadn't made something work. You know, with all the effort we were putting out, it, it didn't seem like we were getting anywhere. And I, and I remember crying out to him in the night, you know, getting out of the bed and going to the living room with my Bible and just kneeling there and going, you don't know what this is like, God, you know? <laughs> yes, I, I had to be separated from my son. You know, yes, I do know how hard this is for you right now. And, you know, it was like, open your Bible. So I'm like, okay, open it up. It was Psalm 18. Oh, wow. And I read it. And I got to verse 33, and I laughed out loud. <laughs> I mean, which is like, I'm not laughing at God, honestly. I just laughed out. God, at the scene, he made my feet like the feet of a deer. And I am a very clumsy person, like very awkward. <laughs> in that, so picturing myself as a deer, you know, and knowing, set me secure on the high places. Like, he had a plan that he hadn't revealed yet, but I was not to flounder. Like, he knew as a mom that he was going to put my feet and help me walk in the right places, and with my husband, of course, making the decisions together. Yes. That picture that he painted in my mind gave me so much hope through that one verse. And it was it was just an incredible encouragement and it wasn't like instant poof everything was solved but it was hope yes yes he could see something in me that i couldn't see because i didn't know what to do as a mom and that's a desperate place to be it is it is but he went to the really good things out of it well that was thank you for sharing that anything else when I look at the list, you know, a lot of it is what God does. Like, he, he, he makes a way, he clears a way. But it's also, you know, where he, he equips. And I think, you know, like with my kids, it would be easy to be that, like Pastor Nathan was saying in Sunday, that lawnmower parent, you know, to clear the way. But it's a lot harder to equip yes, my child. Yes. Say, we're, we're going to do this together, and I'm going to yes, teach you. I'm going yes. to empower you to be able to yes clean your own room or whatever it is yes, you know yes. it's so much harder but the lord is willing to do that yes yes i like that he equips and trains they go together right mm -hmm. just like you're saying he equips us he gives us anything we need and he trains us he's not leaving us alone right, right. i mean so in life i mean how many times we feel inadequate whether it's as a mother, which is all the time, or in anything that he calls us to do, leading this Bible study with these women of our church, right? I mean, we're all inadequate. Yes. But he equips us and he trains us, and yes. that's exciting. It is very exciting. I like that. He trains my hands for war. My mind immediately went to the spiritual mm. warfare mm. up in the heavenly realms, and yeah. how do we... How do we access the throne of grace and how do we fight that battle it's on our knees in prayer before god before that throne of grace and and that's where that's where the the spiritual war the battles are fought yes good thoughts 
any others that come to mind that you wrote down? Um, and it says, um, well, Jean gave us an example of, um, in verse 33, um, rising to heights. Uh, I don't know if you get in life situations, those difficult things like Jean talked about or interpersonal situations, but my prayer is always that God will help me to rise above the situation um, and see things his way. So in a way that's rising to heights um, to be who he wants me to be and um, not solve situations in an earthly way. Seeing the Lord. Um, anything else you'd want to share there? I have the verse, um, you gave me one place for my steps under me, and my feet did not slip. Um, as an older person, I'm always very careful, or try to be careful in walking and um, keeping my feet. Yes. <laughs> And um, when we first found out that Ralph had cancer, I came home just not knowing where to turn or what to do. And another Psalm, Psalm 94, which I read this morning, uh, when I thought my foot slips, your steadfast love, O oh Lord, help me up. Oh, wow. I mean, you just don't know where to turn yeah. and God's consolations cheered my soul mm -hmm. and that verse carried me through that time but I didn't even know we were going to be going through right mm -hmm. thank you for sharing that anything else so um what did David conclude about God in verse 30? His way is perfect. And his word reads true. And, um, and he is a shield of protection for us. In verse 49, what was David's response to all this? Question 15. It's praise. Exactly. And I think of the verse so often, God inhabits the praise of his people. Oh, yes. And here he is as a head of a nation, and he has such influence to be exalting the Lord before them, the impact that it had on others. Um, and they asked, how was this ultimately fulfilled uh, in looking to Romans 15, 8 and 9, which I think is exciting to see the connection. What did some of you write down for that one? Well, 
says in Romans, For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy as it is written. For this I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations and sing to your name. Far-reaching, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. It wasn't just to his people, but it was far-reaching because of his obedience. Anything to add to that? that wanted to proclaim him to the nations, it wasn't until Christ made a way for the Gentiles to mm -hmm. be grafted in yes. that this was actually able to really be fulfilled. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. How he did it through Paul was a miracle in itself. Uh, used him to bring it to the Gentiles. Um, how do you share the goodness of God in your own life with others? There's some ways that we can do that. found recently by ministering to people um, it gives us opportunities if we pray and ask God to use us we just have to open our eyes because there are people all around us that are crying out and need someone to help them um, and minister to them and in so doing sharing the love of Christ and sharing the hope that is within us giving us the right and the ability to share with them um, any other ways that God has shown you lately of being able to reach out to people? Um, I think just doing life with people so mm -hmm. that you're like just yes. spending time at each other's houses or you're walking with each other. I know right. as a new mom, um, that's something that's become really dear to me, just going on walks with other moms. Yes. Um, and just getting to talk about the good days and the hard days, <laughs> um, what God's teaching us how he's sanctifying us. Um, I think that that is just a very natural and organic way that we need to share life with right. another of what God is doing in and through you. That's okay, Louise. We all have yes, to right. And we're all going, do we turn them off? <laughs> I think what you're describing really is transparency. Yes. And yes. It's, not, it's not like because something has happened to me that I have some resource you know but it's more like sharing life with other people it help, helps us all be real mm -hmm. and I need to hear other people share what God's doing as encouragement for me to hold on to the things that he's doing in my life too you know like it, it just builds each other up so much when we do that someone this week about how um, they had issues trusting people and like opening up to people and something that God has taught me just through life experiences like if we are trusting in God and he is our hope, he is our anchor that allows us the freedom to engage with others and to 